0: This morning, we're going to talk about learning to get beyond our mistakes. And I want to talk about Jonah. That's right, Jonah. You're like, seriously, Marty? Jonah and the whale? Yes, yes, I am very serious. Because you know what? I think we always see Jonah and the whale as the baby's room, the wallpaper that we did. And Jonah's like on top of the whale, and he's on top, and he's going, hey, y'all. Well, it wasn't quite like that. You know, I think a lot of times we just think, oh, it was like a little cartoon story. No, honey, this really happened. It's mind-boggling. And the problem is, is that he had made a mistake in his life. And mistakes are the price tag of a well-rounded life. That is, if we learn from them. Well-rounded life. You like that? Okay, so that's what I want to talk about this morning was Jonah was in a situation where he ended up disobeying what God had ordered him to do. But yet in it all, he ended up making a decision and he renewed his commitment with God. And he gets himself back on track. And so, you know, it's not about the wallpaper. It's much more about what really happened. And there's a depth message there and that's what I want to unpack for us today so your first point is your calling is bigger than your mistakes just think about that for a minute because do you know how many people think that they can never really get back to God after a mistake people really think that their mistakes define them forever well that's just not true who are those chosen special people anyway? Who are they? You know, the Bible says in Matthew twenty-two fourteen, 14, it says, Many are called, but few are chosen. I used to read that and think, what does that mean? Many are called, but few are chosen. Well, do you know who the chosen ones are? The ones who respond to the call. The ones who, when God put something on their heart, they said, yes, Lord. And God just so happens to take that quite seriously. When we say yes to the Lord, he means it. We may mean it at the time. I remember when I said my fire escape prayer, I kind of rolled away from that and go, I don't know if I'm going to live any differently, but I might try. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. And you kind of walk away and you, and you don't really know the holy shakedown that's about to come. You don't really understand what God might take you through to get you to this place where he can even use you more in your life. I mean, we kind of say that prayer blindsided. I know I did. In fact, I walked away from God after saying that prayer going, well, glad that I got that taken care of. No plans for a big old holy shakedown. Did not know at all what was coming in my life. You know, here's the deal. When we make that decision to follow God, he takes it very seriously. In Revelation 3.16, it says, because you are lukewarm. Now, he was talking to believers right here. Because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Well, Jonah got to find out what that was really like. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So, in other words, God takes it seriously when we say, yes, Lord, I will follow you. (laughs) So there goes the commitment. It's all starting. The book of Jonah really represents a story of grace, praise, thanksgiving, deliverance, and a renewed hope in God. It's about a foolish prophet who had a prophetic mission where his choices would teach many throughout the history of mankind. He was called to preach to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a city that was considered to be a heathen city. What does heathen really mean? I know, I didn't even understand it until I started reading the Bible. I go, heathen, heathen? Who's heathens? It's really people that are just non-Christian. So that's what Nineveh was. Nineveh was a city that represented Israel in the good old times in a bad way. So these were people who did not follow God. And so basically, that's what he was tasked to do. Jonah was tasked to go to this non-Christian city. And that takes me to my point number two. It matters which way we go. You know, I think all too often we think, you know, I, can, I got this choice and I got that choice. And you do. You have a lot of freedom and a lot of choices in God. There's no doubt about that. But sometimes you sign a blank contract and you don't really know what the fill-in blanks are going to be. Not just yet. You know, it took me a while to figure that out. We were going to sell our house and we were going to go here and we were going to do that. and We were going to make all these moves. And God said, mm-mm, don't do it. And I'm thinking, Why? I, I, want, I, want, I want a smaller house, this house is too big. Blah, blah, blah. you got all these things that sound really smart on the inside, but God's like, uh-uh, no. You're like, wow, why am I feeling like this? And you begin to question, Lord, okay, this must be you. So Jonah's going through that. So Jonah chapter 1 through 3 says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord, and he headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Jonah didn't want to go. He was rebelling against God. He jumped a boat ride in Joppa and said, Sorry, Nineveh, I'm going the other way. And he ignored God's call. Now the inside story, when anyone was called to this prophetic type gift, they were not necessarily well-liked people. The prophets were known for telling the truth. They were known for coming up all up in your face and telling you how it is. They were not necessarily popular. Many of the prophets were even depressed at times, thinking nobody loves me, nobody cares. Uh, My life stinks. Uh, So I can see Jonah going, I'm going the other way. I'm not going to go talk to those people in Nineveh. To be honest, in his mind, he's thinking every time I've talked to them, they're not listening, they're not changing, you know, and God is just like going to have grace and mercy on them, and I don't want to have grace and mercy. Those people are mean, Like your teenager says, (laughs) they're so mean. (laughs) I would probably even say that. They're mean. I don't want to go. And I don't want to give them grace and mercy. They mistreat the prophets. I could see all of that going down. The thing is, is this was not Jonah's call to make that decision. It was God's call. His life was really not his own, but he thought it was. You know, here's the deal. When people are rebellious, they're so difficult to reach. Jonah would be actually recalled by Jesus when Jesus would speak to rebellious people. In, in Luke eleven twenty nine, it says, This is a wicked generation. It asked for a sign, but none will be given except the sign of Jonah. Well, If Jesus was going to bring that back up, then that means it all happened for a reason. The sign of Jonah was mentioned four more times. Because here's the deal. God was making a a message of these people and making a message of his choices. So the story goes on. There's Jonah on the ship going the wrong way. And suddenly this horrific storm comes. So bad, it's rocking the boat every which way. And the shipmates on the boat are going, what in the world is happening? They start throwing cargo overboard because they're trying to survive this storm. Now Jonah's asleep down in the bottom of the ship. And he's just like not weary at all. He's got it going on. But yet, he had a little conversation with those shipmates earlier and kind of made a comment that he served a holy God and that he was going the wrong direction. So they began to start thinking, I wonder if something's up with that. They were getting a little suspicious. So they started praying. And they decided together that they were going to cast lots and figure out what was going on. So they cast the lots, because that's what they did back then. And the lot fell on Jonah. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. They were like, go get him. Jonah comes up. And they go, Jonah, dude, what in the world have you brought on us? Oh, this is me, and he admits it. He admits it, and great fear overtook them all. In fact, he even said, I serve the God of the sky and the land and the sea and the animals and all creation, and they're looking at him saying, good Lord, man, what have you done to us? You've put us in this horrible situation. So they said, what can we do to turn this thing around? How can we now get on board and, and get on board with whatever this God wants us to do? It's kind of like when your parents asked you, what would you like for your punishment to be? <laughs> and you think, okay, let's see. Am I supposed to say, go find the switch? Am I, am I supposed to say, take my phone away? Nah. Am I supposed to say, uh, no more TV? What, what, you know, I mean, try to make up what you want your punishment to be. There's several times in the Bible that God's like, okay, you can let man punishment punish you, or you can let God punish, punish you. And everybody's like, oh, Lord, don't put me in the hands of man. Just let God do it. And that's kind of what Jonah decides. He says, if you'll throw me overboard, everything will be okay. They look at him for about probably 10 seconds and say, okay, boom. <laughs> Bye, see ya, Wishing you the best. <laughs> <laughs> so they chunked him overboard and since the lord is always so good to provide it says in jonah 117 the lord provided a huge fish to swallow jonah well thank you lord everybody says, thank you lord thank you lord that's good Yeah, it's not that bad, right? We're just in the belly of the fish, right? Okay, so there he's at the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Oh, Jesus, tossing to and fro. Now, I don't know if you've ever had a dream of being locked in somewhere that you couldn't get out. Now, I've been in some situations at times, you know, like on the elevator, you know, you just can't help it every time you get on the elevator and it closes you're like okay I hope this gets me there because I really got to go to the restroom (laughs) you know it's like why did I get on before I went that was dumb (laughs) you know and I have been on a stuck elevator it didn't stay stuck thank you lord but it was stuck but I've also been lost in Ikea at five till nine (laughs) find your way out of that place that is one bear right there I was like, five till nine, could everyone please go ahead and start moving toward the registers or the exit? What? (laughs) And then you go around in circles only to find yourself at the same place? I'm like, what were you people thinking? Who designs this? (laughs) But I could see Jonah being tossed to and fro, thinking about scriptures like, be anxious for nothing. okay, (laughs) okay. I'm not supposed to worry, right? Worry or pray, but for God's sakes, don't do both. Did y'all get that? Worry or pray, but don't do both. Amen. You got to have some faith in there somewhere. So I have asked a very special little guy... To come and pray Jonah chapter two, come and read Jonah chapter two, which is the prayer that Jonah begins to pray. Come on, Josh. Now let me tell you about Josh for just a second. Give him a round of applause. He's so awesome. Do you have your mic on? Okay. So so let me tell you about Josh and then I'll let you get started. So, first of all, Josh is one of the smartest kids I believe I've ever met. Now, Josh was in one of my Bible studies and actually said, I feel the Lord leading me to pray. And he got up and he led us into this most awesome prayer. And so I was just taken by him from that moment. But he shows up at the Easter picnic, right? He shows up and and all the kids were there to have fun. Guess what Josh does? He comes up and he finds me and he says, you know what? What do you need? And I said, well, if you could just help me with this, this water and these hot dogs. We carried water and hot dogs the entire picnic. He never even darkened the door of a bounce house. Now, that kid is special right there. So let's just in that special? Let's stand for the reading of God's word. And Josh is going to read us God's word this morning.
1: Go ahead, Chapter Josh. Chapter 2, Jonah's Prayer. From beside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress, I am called to the Lord. And he answered me, From the depths of the grave I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath bared me in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remember you, Lord. And my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land.
0: Thank you, Josh. He's so awesome. So Jonah begins to pray. Now in this prayer, he starts speaking of his circumstances. And he says to this, God, he said, God, this is bad. This is real bad. And the prayer that Jonah prays starts his communication back with God after these mistakes that he's made. In other words, he says, God, you got my full attention. I'm not running anymore. And he finally realizes, God, You are all that I need. And he admits that his problem has come upon him because of disobedience. And he starts speaking of the waves. And he doesn't even say the waves of the sea. He says, God, your waves, your waves. And he starts seeing God as the dominating force in his life. He starts looking at God again. And he wasn't, you know, the belly of the fish is not a good place to live, like, at all, okay? I mean, can you imagine seaweed wrapped around you? Can you imagine complete and utter darkness? And you're tossing about to and fro, and yet you're trying to have a conversation with God and get things right. The belly of the fish was not a good place to live, but it was a great place to learn. Suddenly, everyday life things go bye bye. Everything that you worry about every day loss, grief, loneliness, <laughs> money woes, my relationships stink, all of that it's like psh, psh, means nothing. Your circumstances, nothing. You know, things that would never change that you were whining about, you know. Rejection, I'm always hurt, nobody likes me, meant nothing. He's now in survival mode. Forget all that junky stuff. He was in discord with his creator, and he was ready to start talking about getting it right. The Bible refers to Sheol, which means grave, or in this case, the depths of the sea. In other words, he was scared to death. He thought in all of his heart that he was going to die. He was even saying, "My life is ebbing away." He felt it coming closer to death. Ebbing away means that you have no more hope left. And the deal is is Jonah was not unfamiliar with the Bible. No, he, he even knew about the sea monster Leviathan. I don't know if you've ever read about him. He's mentioned in Job, he's mentioned in Psalms. And this was a big sea monster looking thing that looked kind of like a dinosaur and slash crocodile. I got us a picture of one that you, yeah, woo, Jesus. For all we know, he's getting tossed every which way and he's thinking, this is what I'm inside. It ate me. Ugh. I mean, that's bad. So he's thinking that Leviathan has eaten me, the sea monster, because they always talked about Leviathan is the one that's going to eat you if you get out there, you know. was like the word on the street. This forced him to think on God's dominance in every way. And this morning, I have my daughter here and i just want to tell you just a minute about her but she is so precious and i'm so grateful to have her here this morning my baby girl Kara joy martin and i've asked her to share she's a music teacher in houston she leads worship in houston downtown at her church and i'm just so grateful but i wanted her to share a little bit with you this morning
2: First, I just want to say, um, I just want to honor my mom. I'm going to try not to cry. Um, just want to honor her. I would not be in the place that I am now with Jesus and even just in my life without her and my dad's intercession back there in the back. Because the Lord knows high school years, they're rough. They are very rough when you don't know Jesus. Um, But today, I first just want to share, as I was just waiting on the Lord this week, um, I just really felt like he was speaking that it just takes a touch. I don't know if anybody knows the story in the Bible where the woman is, um, she's bleeding internally, and she's pushing through the crowds Um, of all these people that are surrounding Jesus, and she's pushing through all these crowds, and she just touches the brim of his robe, and she's healed like that. And so whatever you came in with today, I just want to encourage you that that is the Father's heart for you, is that it would take one touch for your anxiety to flee, for your depression to flee, for whatever it is that you're waiting to come into place. Um... The Lord's going to drop it just with his finger. And so I just want to share a little bit of my story. Um, I have struggled with anxiety for a lot of my life and not really sure where it came from and was really toiled in my heart with Jesus of um, where is this coming from? I, I feel like I've I've been raised in a home where my family has loved me well. I have never been without why do I have so much anxiety? And just felt like the Lord one day just said, "Carrots, a fear of the unknown. You're afraid of, of what's to come. And so, of course, as Jesus does, I'm nearing the end of my college years and uh, felt like the Lord said to go to India. And I was like, "Uh, what? India? God, anywhere else. But why India? Um, so there I went for three and a half months-ish, I moved to India, and one of the first days I was there, felt like Jesus said, Kara, you don't ask me for promises because you're afraid of disappointment, and so that word, I didn't really think much of it in the moment, but fast forward to about, um, six, seven months later, I was doing a journal, Um, waiting on the Lord to see whether or not I had come back from India. I was student teaching in Houston, and I did a 30-day journal. I did a discipleship school a few years before that, and we did these things called 30-day journals. So I was waiting on the Lord every day, would just write down whatever I felt he said, and I would read it after 30 days. Well, the only thing that I got from that 30-day journal was this visual in my mind. So, basically, I saw Jesus in a boat. um, And he put his hand out and he said, Kara, will you come into this boat with me? And I said, of course, Jesus. And so I like hop into the boat. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm in this boat with Jesus. So I'm in this boat and he hands me this map. And he said, Kara, if I were to give you this map, tell you to drive this boat, what would you do? And I was like, well... Papa God I would have no clue what to do because I don't know how to read a map that's why I have an iPhone for my GPS and two I definitely don't know how to drive a boat I know how to drive a car kind of can ask my dad about my driving series Uh, (laughs) but in all reality I had no clue and so he said, I want you to give me your map, and I want you to let me drive this boat, and I want you to rest in the back of the boat. And I thought, wow, okay, like the Lord's just gonna take me wherever I'm gonna go, everything's gonna fall into place at the time. Didn't have a job because again, I was praying about going back to India or staying in the US. And I I felt like in that moment the Lord gave me the choice of whatever you choose, I'm going to bless you. So I chose to stay home, and it sent me. So meanwhile, God speaks this rest and this stillness over my heart. But starting from there, it was just an endless toil of anxiety, so much anxiety, so much fear of the unknown. Um, And the Lord, I can stand here now, today, without giving all of the details of everything. The Lord sent me on a journey of knowing him. I think when I went to India, I scratched the surface because I was on a team of 25 people I had never known before, all extremely um, radical in their beliefs of who God was and the, the miraculous. I mean, I saw crazy things happen. I saw people getting um, healed from demonic oppression. I saw people's arms healed. I saw somebody's leg grow out. Like, just ridiculous, crazy things that you read in the Bible, and you're like, eh, I don't think that's true. And then you see it happen. You're like, okay, I guess it's true. So, all of these things, and, and yet, I had this place in my heart that didn't fully know and believe in who Jesus was. And Um, And so he's taken me, I mean, I did know him, but there's a depth I didn't know of him. Um, And so walking through this past, man, I guess it's been 10 months, it's really crazy because the Lord has given me some dreams that have literally spoken all about faith, which is believing in the unseen. Um, And so... It's just crazy the way that the Lord pulls everything back together, Um, but I can confidently say that after walking through this season of my life, I've learned to be like Mary, that sat at Jesus' feet and had that rapport with him, um, that learned every movement of his heart, every whisper of his voice. Um, Everything he says, his nature, his character, he's so for us. He's so incredibly good that we, I haven't, I'm 24 years old, I haven't scratched the surface um, of, of who he really is, but I can say from walking, and anybody that has walked in anxiety, you know that it's not an easy, it's not an easy thing to walk through at all, Waking up with your whole body shaking, wondering like, Lord, please, I know that it's just a touch and you can heal me. Why? Um, But it's in his kindness that he releases his character, who he truly is. And so today, I think the thing I want to leave you with uh, more than anything is that you would be inspired and encouraged to sit at the feet of Jesus, whatever that looks like for you. That looks like opening your Bible, maybe for the first time in a long time, or you open it every day, and, it, and it's hard to really connect. Um, my heart, and I, I literally was crying as I was praying this this week, and out of just like an overwhelming emotion of the Father's heart, that each person would be touched by who he is, um, who he says he in, is in the Bible is true, And how I want to relate this back to Jonah is I think that if Jonah fully knew the character of God, if he really knew his nature and how good he was, I think he would have responded differently. And he would have chosen to go to Nineveh out of a place of, God, I know you're good. And you work the things together that we don't understand. Um, So, yeah, I think... One last thing that is a promise to each of us is that every tear that we sow into, we will reap songs of joy. So we know that as we walk in trials and tribulations, um, it is for the glory that's set before us. It is for the joy that is set before us. And even yesterday, as I was spending time with God, I was crying and crying and crying as usual. And (laughs) I'm just a very tender person. But I'm crying, and I'm like, Lord, I'm weary of crying. I'm sick of crying. Please, take it away. I'm sick of crying. But I felt like the Lord so gently was just like, Kara, I will never be tired of your tears because they are sowing into the joy that is set before you. Um, so every tear that you have sown, believe in hope and expectation that as you truly see the character of God, And you're moved by his whisper that the joy set before you is right there. It's right there in that place of thankfulness. It's right there in that place of praise when you're waiting for that promise to come true.
0: She is so sweet. And she's precious before the Lord, and I thank God for her. I thank God for her life. Um, she just shares with such an open heart. And so thank you, Kara, for sharing. I love you. Well, you know, when I had her, God told me, he said, I'm going to really use her in the kingdom. Well, those first few years, it's like, oh, Lord, if I could just get her through high school, you know. And then, But when she was born and they brought her to me and she had this red hair, I was like, oh, my Lord. Nobody's got red hair. What happened? And God told me, he said, think it not strange. I designed her with flame. I said, well, you sure did. And she has been. She has definitely been a flame for us. So thank you for sharing. So point number three, Jonah begins to thank God. Jonah begins to thank God. Now he's still at this time inside the belly of the fish. Jonah 2 9 says, But I, with shouts of joy and grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. And he declares this one last thing that I will talk more about in just a second. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. A, he wants to be saved from this mess. But I believe at this point in time, he's had this new revelation of how important salvation is. How important the message is that God had put in his mouth, and how important it was that he reproduced this wisdom and knowledge and faith that God had put in him. So Jonah thanks God. Faith is developed during doubt. That's when you develop faith. He thanks God not because he's out of the belly of the fish. He thanks God because he's still alive and he's still breathing. Jonah concludes that God is merciful and forgiving. And he gets this beautiful image of how God loves to save people. And that's because of where he's at. Merciful while still in the fish. God responds finally to his faith and not his fear. And everything begins to turn around. The fish ends up spitting him out right near Joppa on dry ground. On dry ground. Near Joppa the same place where he had made the decision to go the wrong way. And he's saying, I'm giving you a brand new chance. I put you on dry ground after three days in the belly of the fish being tossed every which way, and I'm going to give you a chance to choose it all over. Can you imagine what that was like when he got spit out? It never happened. He just kept on walking a bit. (laughs) I'm right back where I started. With this nightmare. So there he is. And he's got this beautiful chance to start all over. God is good. God is faithful. The fish was a blessing. Would he have survived three days tossing to and fro in the sea? Probably not. The fish had simply become his free Uber. Back to where he needed to be. At the time when he was spit out, he could not have known how long that he was in the belly of that fish. But after he got out, he realized he was in that fish for three days. And three days are extremely significant in the Word of God. Because ancient years, they believed that death was only permanent when the body was lifeless for three days. There was like this marker for three days. And three days are still very significant. Biblically, three days. Well, Jesus rose on the third day. Esther fasted for three days. Jonah preached in Nineveh for three days. Really, three stand for wholeness, completeness, perfection, and fulfillment. And so there's Jonah now in this safety zone. Renewing his commitment to God, and he sees the mission with brand new eyes. Now he goes into it, he wants to save Nineveh because he's happy. He still kind of goes down the road in a little bit in chapter 3, but we're not going there today. <laughs> but there are over 90 scriptures throughout the Bible that says salvation belongs to the Lord. So do you know that God has really put a timetable out? When we make a commitment to God through salvation, there is a timetable on when he's going to deal with each and every one of our hearts. There is a timetable on how he's going to use you to make a difference in hearts and lives around you. There is a timetable, and you're in it, and you need to jump in and get on it. And some of us get a little lackadaisical about our calling and think we're not really called to make a difference. Well, you are. Many are called, few are chosen. The ones that are chosen are the ones that went, the ones that responded. Salvation is precious to the Lord. And even though we don't want to do things that are difficult, that are outside of our norm, that may be a little bit uncomfortable... Just walk up to somebody strange and say, I think I'm supposed to pray for you. Oh, what? What? I don't want to be a weirdo. Why not? You got anything better to do? You might as well be. (laughs) Here's the thing. God has a beautiful plan for each and every life. And it is not easy for some people to come to know Christ Do you know that there's a lot of people who were raised around situations and things and and, and they unbelieving and, and all of that? And it's not an easy decision. Many have not been given the model program to get to salvation. So when God decides he's going to use you in an awkward way, we need to be ready because God loves those other people. Not just that. You may be sitting here this morning and you may be saying, you know what? I've not really gone that extra mile. I've not really said to God, Lord, whatever it is you want, I'm ready. Whatever salvation looks like, Lord, forgive me of all my wrongs. Some of us just sit and take it in and just wait for something else to happen. How are they going to encourage me this morning with all my problems? Get rid of your problems. How? Have faith. Put it aside. When Jonah was in the wheel, those little problems didn't mean squat. All he was about was, what is it about you, God, that I need to do? That's where his head is at. When the rubber meets the road, let me tell you, when you get bad news like a doctor's report or something that sounds real bad, suddenly nothing matters. You just want to go into, okay, God, what's going on here? What can I believe for? What what do I do? You know what I mean? There's so many things that don't really matter that we focus all of our time on. Here's the deal. Salvation is precious to God. It's precious to God. Whether you are a deliverer because it's your mission or whether you are a recipient of that beautiful salvation. It is precious. And in closing, I want you to understand something if you are sitting on that side of, you know, I have never really followed God's will for my life, I don't think. Let me just tell you, when you know you're outside of God's will, you can feel it. You just know. And when you're in His will, again, You can feel it. You just know. God wants us to trust him in all things. He wants to transform our mistakes and our failures. Failure is not your forever prison. Failure is not your final. Proverbs 24 says, The righteous fall seven times, but they rise again. Micah Micah 7, 8 says, do not gloat over me, my enemies, because I will rise. I don't care where you are this morning. I don't care how you got there. I am telling you that God has an awesome and a beautiful plan for your life. And he has not forgotten you. And he will not forget. Forget you. He wants to move your heart to the next phase. Some of us are still doing kindergarten Christianity. Where you're still asking God, everybody to feed into you. Feed into you. Who are you going to feed? Who are you going to change? What are you going to hear when you get to heaven? Does that stuff ever dawn on us? We have to respond to God. How did you do with the gifts that I gave you? Did you respond to the calling that I put on your heart? Did you draw yourself closer to me? Did you learn to move past your anxiety and depression? Kara talked about that. It's not an easy place to really forsake yourself, get outside yourself, and really let things become about God. It's not an easy thing. But God has plans for you. Worry and fear is nothing more than rehearsing the problem. It's not going to get you where you want to go. And yet we spend all this time dissecting and intersecting and trying to extract and trying to replace all of our fears with it. What? Give it to God. Give your anxieties and your cares to the Lord. He says, I will have the bandwidth to carry them. You don't even have the bandwidth to carry anxiety and worry. He bears the shoulders of responsibility And he is the one that takes care of all of that. It's the Lord's way. It's the Lord's way. And you know, we just think that we have got to figure everything out before we can go and pursue the good things that God has for us. That is just not true. You do not have to have everything figured out. He takes you right where you are. Don't ever forget that. You come just like you are. I don't care if you're struggling with addictions. I don't care what you did last night. I don't care what your plans were for later today. I'm saying start right where you are and start now. And make your change. Ask the Lord to come into your heart. Ask him to break the anxiety Ask him to touch you and transform you and make you into who he's called you to be. It's a prayer away. That's it. A prayer away. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your loving kindness. Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that leads and guides us. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you have come, that we could have life. You said your yoke is easy and your burdens are light. And God, this morning, to the best of our ability, we give you all of our anxieties. We give you all of the hopeless ways that we have felt And God, we just lay it now at your feet. We pray, Lord, that you would touch our hearts and draw us, Lord, to that sweet place in you where every burden, every anxiety, everything in our life that is not yet figured out would be at your feet Lord, take all of our sins, our wrongdoings, and just erase them. Scrub them out of our hearts and make us, Lord, like new. Take every addiction, take every addiction, Lord, that the enemy has used in every heart, in every life, and remove it now in the name of Jesus. Your blood covers all things. There is no shame in you, God. Only shame is that what draws us to you. It's just to show us that we need your help. But there's no shame, God. And Lord, I pray that every curse that has rested on your people, that has kept them from moving toward the things that you want them to do, would be broken our eyes would be open, and we would see fresh and new. And if you have asked Jesus to come into your heart and to erase every sin and to start your life in him all over today, would you take that connection card, fill that out, drop it in the offering plate, and let us know that you've made that decision so we can give you information that will help you in your walk, that will help you grow closer. We want to help you get connected. And Lord, we just pray, just as Nineveh was changed when Jonah made that decision to go the right direction, we pray, God, for each heart and life here today. They would be changed, and they would turn around and go the right direction. And so, Lord, we give you this in Jesus' name.